The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's man-to-man coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. It's a Monday edition of the PFT PM Podcast. Plenty happening in the National Football League, most of it. Emanating from Raiders receiver Antonio Brown. It's been about 72 hours since all hell broke loose. Good for business. Very good for business. Unbelievable spike in traffic. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, great traffic. And even into today. People are very interested in this story. Nothing to report today. Waiting for the ruling from the independent neutral arbitrator on whether or not Brown will be permitted to wear his shut air advantage, which is more than 10 years old and thus cannot be recertified. He has to wear a different helmet if he loses the grievance or not play football. I would like to think that if he loses his grievance, he just wears a different helmet, but... One of the reports last week, he's threatened to retire if he doesn't get permission to wear his helmet of choice. I don't think there's anything easy or normal or logical when it comes to Antonio Brown. He doesn't need the money, supposedly. And he'd walk away from $30 million fully guaranteed over the next two years if he refuses to play. And remember... He doesn't have to play well. He just has to play. Just has to show up for work. If all of a sudden he stinks because he's in a different helmet, they can cut him. Still have to pay him. So what I'm going to do, I think I'm just going to go through your questions. Because I have a feeling your questions will address pretty much anything and everything that I would otherwise say. There's 40 of them. Let's just get right to them. This is an all-question edition of the PFTPM podcast. First question, do you think the loss of Steelers receivers coach Daryl Drake will affect the Vikings like it did, or the Steelers like it did the Vikings last year when they lost offensive line coach Tony Sperano? Well, it's going to affect them without question, especially because it happened in camp. Tony Sperano died a week or so before camp opened. This is going to be a blow to the Steelers that they're going to have to adjust. They're going to have to grieve. They're going to have to pivot. They're going to have to move forward. It's not going to be easy for them to do. Now, Tony Sperano had a unique position in Minnesota in that he helped keep Mike Zimmer balanced out and even keeled. Daryl Drake hasn't been with the Steelers for all that long. Mike Tomlin has a long history of success in Pittsburgh. I don't know that there's that same that same value from the standpoint of keeping Mike Tomlin 
even keeled and productive and pointed in the right direction the way that Tony Sperano seemed to be for Mike Zimmer. Now, Sperano hadn't been with the Vikings for all of Zimmer's time there. And I think offensive line coach, a more important position, grand scheme of things. Of course, the Steelers are dealing with a new offensive line coach, too, because of Mike Munchak's departure. It's it's definitely a factor. It's a real-world, practical matter factor for a football team. And depending on how they handle it, it could draw them closer together, it could make them better, or it could not necessarily tear them apart, but become an issue that that just brings down and impedes what they can accomplish. It's all in how they process it, but it's not going to be easy. It all happens so suddenly. And our condolences go out to the Steelers, to Daryl Drake's family, to anyone who played for him. Very positive testimonials, Bruce Arians, heartfelt comments, He's just saw him Friday night when the Steelers and the Buccaneers played at Heinz Field. NFL leads, what is your opinion on a presidential debate-style Hall of Fame Final 15 debate televised during the offseason when content is slow? Seems like it would be sure to draw viewers and more money for the NFL. Well, they tried to provide a little more transparency to this process of who gets in and when they get in and what they do and how they argue and I don't know why it's also secretive I don't know what kind of a money maker a debate like that would be I don't know who the participants in the debate would be I'm just in favor of more transparency I think that's always better than making it secretive And I'm not a big fan of the overall Hall of Fame process. I've got no interest in doing it. If it was ever offered to me, I would say no thank you. I'm never going to ask for it. And I know they do it on that Saturday before the Super Bowl for a reason, because all the writers are already assembled in the site of the Super Bowl city. I just don't know that that's the best time to do it. I don't know that that's the best way to do it. At its Tariq, should the Eagles scramble to sign Colin Kaepernick? Here's what needs to happen with Colin Kaepernick. What they need to do, what his representatives need to do, is make it clear to everyone that he is willing to take whatever he can get. Period. If it's third spot on a depth chart, he'll take it. Primary backup, he'll take it. Whatever it is, he'll take. At this point, I think that's his only way back in. The time to make demands, the time to be aloof, the time to act like you're holding out for a starting job is over. If you want back in, at this point, right or wrong, and it's wrong that it's gotten to this point, but if you want back in now, You've got to get the word out that you're not asking for 9 million, 10 million, 8 million, 6 million, 15 million, whatever million. You want whatever they'll offer. Give me a chance. 
Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Like any other quarterback who's out there, scratching and clawing for an opportunity. That's what they need to do. Because he's not going to get the financial offer that he thinks he should get. He's not going to get a starting job handed to him. Now, I don't know where he would have an opportunity to compete to be a starter, but Philadelphia would be a great spot for him to be a backup because Carson Wentz has shown a constant inability to be healthy enough to play. Two straight Decembers, they've needed Nick Foles. And I think Colin Kaepernick, greater than sign, Nate Sudfeld, Cody Kessler, Thurston Howell III. The Eagles for now are going with who they have. Ten months or ten years... Oh boy, I was ready to I was ready to go to. Ten years ago to the month, not ten months ago to the year. Ten years ago to the month is when they gave Mike Vick his quote-unquote second chance. Sims got me all worked up today. We had a draft on PFT Live of the craziest off-field storylines in league history. He won the toss, rigged, took Mike Vick. And there's just a lot about Mike Vick I'd forgotten, and I got pissed off. I got pissed off because I have a dog now. I feel differently about dogs than I did in 2007 when that dogfighting operation was found in rural Virginia, Surrey County. Gerald Poindexter was determined, determined to let Mike Vick go unpunished, unprosecuted. Sim said something about he paid his debt. He didn't pay his debt because Virginia never caused him to have to pay his debt. Federal law that relates to interstate dogfighting, interstate gambling, anything that deals with crossing of state lines that they were able to foist upon him, he did his time for that. He should have been indicted by a Surrey County, Virginia grand jury for cruelty to animals. He admitted it. Killing dogs that were deemed unfit to fight. Drowning, electrocution, he admitted it. What's the old saying? You can get an indictment of a hand sandwich? Maybe you can, but you can't get an indictment in Virginia of Michael Vick when he's admitted to animal cruelty. If the prosecutor doesn't want the indictment, it's very easy to not get the indictment. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this particular individual, keep in mind, has served two years in prison for these crimes. When deciding whether or not to further disrupt his life, consider he's paid his debt to society. It's up to you to determine whether or not to return a true bill on multiple counts of animal cruelty that would further delay this man's second chance after the grievous mistake he made. Sims got me pissed off because he called it a mistake. I hate that. It was not a mistake. It was a lifestyle that he engaged in for more than six years until he was caught. And if he hadn't been caught, who knows how long he would have continued 
to maintain a dogfighting operation in Surrey County, Virginia. Who knows how long he would have continued to participate in dogfighting. Would he have grown out of it? Would he have just one day rolled out of bed and said, I'm too old for this shit. I can't do this anymore. I'm eventually going to get caught. I'm going to go to jail. This is wrong. Remember all the excuses? Well, he didn't know it was wrong because it was part of the culture where he grew up. Well, come on. At some point, you have to realize that whatever was going on while you were growing up is wrong. Morally, legally, ethically, everything. It's wrong to take dogs and have them fight against each, each other. It's wrong when you're grooming a dog to fight and you decide the dog doesn't have the, the right temperament to fight, so you just kill it because you don't have to feed it and take care of it. It's too hard to feed it and take care of it. It costs too much. This is a dogfighting operation. This isn't a charity. This isn't a, a shelter. This isn't a humane society. If you're incapable of being inhumane to other dogs, you're going to die. The passage of time has just caused people to just kind of get numb to it. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I kind of got numb to it. But I, he set me off today with it. A red zone out. So bottom line, if the Eagles were willing to give Mike Vick an opportunity in 2009, why in the hell would they not give Colin Kaepernick an opportunity now? Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the team, seems like a decent man. Talks about emotional intelligence. How about winning football games? Kaepernick better than Sudfeld. And Kaepernick would seem to fit that offense pretty well. At a red zone Alk, is it time John Gruden took a tougher stance with Antonio Brown? AB seems to be testing the front office. Here's the problem. No one's ever told this guy no. No one's ever pushed back. No one's ever held him accountable. No one's ever said you don't get what you want. He gets to do what he wants. He won the showdown with the Steelers. Even if the Steelers wanted to get rid of him and allowed him to think that he won that showdown, he thinks he won that showdown. He thinks he gets what he wants. The report from Mike Silver of NFL Media where Mike Mayock, the GM of the Raiders, used to work, and look, I know we're not supposed to speculate on reporter sources, but my goodness, at a minimum, before Mike Silver goes with those tweets, those 20 tweets that ultimately became an article at NFL.com, at a minimum, Silver's reaching out to Mayock to say, hey, if I'm barking up the wrong tree here, let me know. Hey, if this stuff is wrong, let me know. Here's what I'm hearing is going on. If you got another version of this, let me know. You've already got the pipeline to him. Mayak's got to be beside himself. Not just the helmet, not just the frozen feet, showing up in meetings and reportedly liking photos on Instagram with multiple tablets in front of him, looking at his bank information, not paying attention. They knew that's what they were getting. See, you're willing to overlook that crap when you're getting a guy who's a dynamo on the practice field and is a difference maker in games, but he's not practicing. Is it the frostbitten feet? Some people think that the frostbitten feet are 
the deflection and the distraction for the helmet. Some people think the helmet is the deflection and the distraction for the frostbitten feet. The helmet thing's been around since April. And the frostbitten feet, that's real. That disgusting picture he put on Instagram. Is it possible he occupies that sweet spot where he is smart enough to come up with letting his feet accidentally freeze to create a deflection and a distraction for the helmet issue and dumb enough to actually do it? It's a very narrow window of mental acuity that would cause someone to think, hey, you know what? I need to buy some time with this helmet thing. I know what I'll do. I'll go to France and I'll freeze my feet in a cryotherapy chamber. Then I won't have to practice. I can't imagine that. But it sure feels like the frozen feet provided one hell of a distraction from the helmet issue. Nobody knew about the helmet issue until Friday. Came out of the blue. And I think the reason that it emerged on Friday is somebody with the Raiders got sick and tired of this bullcrap. And also they had a hearing. It's kind of hard to keep it quiet forever when there's a hearing. But there is a sense that as of Friday, somebody with the Raiders decided it was time to unload. And they did so with enough plausible deniability. So if Antonio Brown got upset about it, they could say, well, I don't know anything about it. We didn't say anything about it. We support you. On the record, they support him. And this all came to be not long after we passed along the report from is it Chase Williams with WPXI in Pittsburgh that Antonio Brown had gone radio silent on the, on the Raiders. And there was some pushback. There was an item from Michael Gelkin in the Las Vegas Review Journal saying, well, they expect him back soon and painting everything in a positive light. And then we hear about the helmet and we hear about the other issues. And we just hear that this is falling apart and that he'll retire if he doesn't get to wear the helmet he wants to wear. I think the Raiders are at the point where they're getting sick of this, but there's nothing they can do. And I don't know what what tougher stance you can take with a guy who is unpredictable because he is irrational. One of the benefits of being perceived as irrational Rational people don't know how to handle you. Rational people freak out because they can't predict what you're going to do. I remember years ago, there was a guy in the town I grew up in who got himself into a mix-up with a bunch of guys. They were going to fight, and it was him against all of them. So what he did, he just acted like he was nuts and started ranting and raving and screaming and he was ready to take on any of them and they all realized, hey, one of us is going to get the crap beat out of us. We all may be able to take him, but the first guy to step up is done. No fight. The rationally minded mob didn't know how to deal with the seemingly irrational individual. And I feel like that's where the Raiders currently are. At Leapers 500, what's the actual legal liability vis-a-vis Brown using his own helmet? I bet the house, the NFL makes him sign an indemnifying waiver, or the NFL makes him switch and he gets hurt. Seems like the threat on the latter hinges on proving in court that the helmet was to blame. That's the key, and I wrote about this yesterday. And the point is very simple. Brown has nothing. 
his lawyers have nothing. So his lawyers are using whatever they can come up with. The cliche that I used at PFT, and I talked about it on PFT Live. They teach you this early in law school. When the facts are on your side, pound on the facts. When the law is on your side, pound on the law. When neither is on your side, pound on the table. That's what Brown's lawyer apparently did. And then somebody, presumably Brown's lawyer, because he was proud that he came up with this, leaked it to Daniel Kaplan and the Athletic. Which I think will probably only piss off the NFL. I mean, at this point, you should be trying to mend fences with the league, not pissing the league off and trying to make the league look bad and saying things like, boy, I'd hate to be the league right now. I'd hate to be them. I really would hate to be them. If he gets injured wearing one of the approved helmets that were selected jointly by the NFL and the NFLPA with millions of dollars of research and study, and they come up with a list of approved helmets, and he wears one of those and he gets injured. How does he prove that that injury wouldn't have happened in the shut air advantage that is not capable of being certified? Nobody's singling this guy out. They're just applying the rules. And that's why I think the NFL will be inclined to not bend here. This is a bigger issue, and it's not about signing a waiver. If you let him sign a waiver, you have to let anyone sign a waiver. Now and in the future, there's always going to be helmets that are supplanted by advances in technology. Once you start down that path, you are creating a precedent that will apply to other players. Tom Brady, I'll sign a waiver. Aaron Rodgers, I'll sign a waiver. Future players will sign waivers. This isn't about gathering waivers. This is about ensuring a future supply of football players. They don't want these guys to get injured. They want these guys to be healthy. They want to create the impression they're doing everything they can to keep them safe, even though a certain amount of concussions are unavoidable. Now, you can protect the shell of your brain with a helmet. So if it takes a blow that would have, you know, if you don't have a helmet on and you take that blow to the head, it's going to give you a concussion. If you have a helmet on, hey, no concussion from that blow to the head. But remember, a lot of concussions come from the body moving in one direction and the head quickly stopping and the brain bouncing off of the inside of the skull. Doesn't matter what helmet you have on under those situations. But the NFL, I believe, wants to create the impression they're doing everything they can to make these guys safe because they want mom and dad to think the helmet technology is advancing to the point where it helps keep the kids safe. It is a very subtle but very real sales job. You got to sell mom and dad on letting Jimmy and Johnny and Joni play football. That's what you have to do. And as I pointed out at PFT today, if Antonio Brown signs a waiver, wears his old helmet, suffers a serious concussion, mom and dad aren't going to say, well, he signed a waiver. They're going to say, hey, Jimmy, Johnny, Joni, no football for you. That's what this is about. This is bigger than one guy. And I know they would love to have all their best players available. It's good for the game to have all your best players available. And I feel like they're softening their approach with some of these off-field issues to allow players to be available. This is bigger than any off-field issue. This is about the future of the sport. This is about the strategic decision that has been made to make football as safe as it can be, or at least to appear to be as safe as it can be. They are not going to bend. They are not going to budge. 
and any exception. Now, I guess there's a way they could craft an exception. They could work backward. They could, they could, and this would be the arbitrator. The end point is we want to find a way to let Brown wear his helmet. You work backward to come up with some sort of crazy, unique, specific exception that allows him to wear the shut air advantage. Let's him try to track down one that's less than 10 years old. That's his size. Go buy one off of somebody. Hey, it's less than 10 years old. It can be recertified, even though they've never fully tested that model because it was discontinued in 2011. But I just don't think they're going to do it. It is such a simple proposition. And I really do think it's driven by ego. It's driven by vanity. It's driven by stupidity. I think that he believes he doesn't look good in another helmet. It's very easy for a guy to go from looking good in a helmet to looking like the Great Kazoo. There's a fine line, fine line, between looking like you belong in that helmet and looking like Michael Dukakis in a tank. Look it up, kids. Leapers 500, can you remember a rookie who looked as basically discombobulated as Drew Locke, who went on to be any good at all? What does it say about the Denver situation that Lynch, Paxton Lynch looked great, albeit against Scrubs in Seattle? I think it's too early to make any conclusions. I really do. Way too early. Let's give this kid a chance to learn the ropes. Let's give this kid a chance to grow and develop. We're not expecting him to play this year. Let's see how it plays out. I'm not ready to panic. Although Giovanni Carmazzi, third round pick in 2000, the year of the Brady Six, in a Hall of Fame game against Brady's Patriots, according to Steve Mariucci, the former coach of the 49ers, Carmazzi basically was ruined in that game. I still think it's too early to come to any conclusions. Leapers 500, I try to imagine how great the Browns would be if Joe Thomas was still a tackle. Sometimes it would be amazing to put a great player like that in cryogenic, not AB style, freeze or bubble wrap if you have, or until you have a quarterback worth protecting. I mean, Thomas can still be playing now. I guess he had just issues with his knees and he, he just couldn't do it anymore. I don't know how much a great left tackle really helps a team look at the Browns during Joe Thomas's tenure. I think a great left tackle can be the icing on the cake for a team that otherwise has great players. But I tend to think the great left tackle is overblown, that whole blindside fascination. Yes, it is helpful when you're a right-handed quarterback to have somebody who nails down your backside so you don't have to worry about getting hit from behind and losing the football. But I'd say that the best quarterbacks can that they can make up for that reality. D square 77. What is this? He wasn't kicked out of the game for that and celebrated and for it is beyond me. Oh, that's the gif we used. Antonio Brown with the with the foot with authority to the face of the Browns punter. That was before Antonio Brown was really Antonio Brown. That was probably 2010, 2011. It wouldn't have been 2010, probably 2011. 11 or 12. Antonio Brown was not the guy that, that he became at that point. That was kind of like the Antonio Brown, here I am, look at what I can do, bang, foot to the face. Yeah, he, I think he got fined for it, but that was it. That was a brutal moment. Kick the guy right in the face. V Suncoast. In AB's defense, that was not intentional. Hashtag sarcasm. 
Dean Osborne, 42, how embarrassing are the DUIs for Arizona, and what should the punishment be? Well, the COO of the Cardinals had a DUI over the weekend. Strongly worded statement from the Arizona Cardinals, but I mean, they had it last year with Steve Kime, the GM of the team. It really isn't that hard to get home if you've had too much to drink. If you don't have the Uber app on your phone, you should have it now. Remember there was a time before Uber where there was discussion and debate about whether or not NFL players trusted the 800 number that was available to them to give them a ride home because they thought that that information would be shared with the NFL. NFL isn't going to know anything about the Uber that picks you up and takes you home. There's no reason to get behind the wheel of a car when you've had too much to drink. If you even think there's a chance you've had too much to drink. I know the problem is that alcohol impairs the ability to think rationally. There's still no reason to do it. And you need to have the presence of mind to make the arrangements ahead of time. Nobody Does anybody accidentally go out and get drunk? Hey, I'm going out to the bar, and you know, I'm just going to go have a good time. Oh, accidentally, I got really drunk. Well, if that's the case, you got to have people with you. You got to have somebody around you. Or you're going to have the presence of mind to pull out that phone and press the Uber app and wait for the ride. And I feel like we don't have as many DUIs in the NFL as we used to, which is good. But it's beyond inexcusable for these executives. I just, I just think that they believe, hey, well, you know, I'll get away with it. I'll talk my way out of it. I'll say I work for the Cardinals. I remember at one point saying one year suspension should be the punishment for any DUI in the NFL. I mean, if they're going to worry about a guy smoking pot at home, not bothering anybody, if somebody's putting other lives at risk by driving drunk, there should be a significant sanction for that. And they have beefed up the punishment. I think it's a minimum two game suspension now for a first offense. I don't think it, 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 it used to be. I don't, even th- I don't know that it wasn't a suspension for a first offense. I can't remember, but they have beefed it up. For, for front office people, though, what do we hear all the time? They're held to a higher standard. Well, hold them to a higher standard, Arizona. Ricardo Hines, is Antonio Brown trying to achieve something, or is he just stupid slash crazy? I think this is the end result of emboldening and enabling and empowering a guy to be whatever he wants to be and do whatever he wants to do for a period of years. The Steelers really do deserve a lot of the blame here because they created this guy. This guy who thinks he can do whatever he wants. And I raised the question earlier today. Did the Steelers know that this helmet thing was coming? Did they know that the shut air advantage had one year left in 2018? In 2019, it was not going to get recertified. And did they factor that into their decision to cut bait when they did? Because again, the impression is Brown wanted out and got out. I think the Steelers wanted him out. I think after that nonsense with week 17 and he stormed out of practice after he threw the ball at Roethlisberger, I've suggested that Roethlisberger said to the team at some point, it's him or me. Get rid of him or get rid of me. I'm not playing with that guy anymore. I just believe at some level they wanted to get rid of him. And they got rid of him. And they're probably pretty happy right now that they got that third round pick and fifth round pick and that they're not dealing with that distraction on top of everything else as they get ready for the start of a season. On tour forever, how likely is it that we will see any of the Antonio Brown helmet feat saga 
on tomorrow's hard knocks? Would the Raiders hold that stuff out of fear of angering Brown? I absolutely think that whatever we see, and I think it's too much now to ignore, especially since John Gruden has publicly addressed the helmet issue and the frozen feet issue. They can't keep it out. Last week, they kept it out. They pointed out that Antonio Brown's feet were keeping him from practicing, but they never said why. If you didn't know anything about football, anything about Antonio Brown, anything about the Raiders, and you turned on Hard Knocks last week, you'd have been irritated, like, well, what's wrong with this guy's feet? Is it bunions? Is it athlete's foot? Do you have a stress fracture? Liz Frank injury? What is it? They're not telling us what the issue is. This week, it would be too glaring if they don't address it. I think they will be very careful to address it in a way that does not create any problems for the Raiders. They have to support Antonio Brown. You're not going to see footage of any meeting between John Gruden and Mike Mayock where Gruden's like, what the hell are we going to do with this guy? And Mayock's saying, well, John, I told you so. I told you not to draft him, or I told you not to trade for him, excuse me. I told you not to pay him if you were going to trade for him. We're not going to hear that. It's not reality. It's an infomercial. It's going to be interesting to see how it's handled and to see how the Raiders have exercised their final say authority over the edits and the content. But they already had a teaser. 30 seconds from NFL Films, not a hint. Not anything. Don't you at least use that to market? There's a way to mention it that's innocuous. Maybe they don't need to. Maybe everybody knows. But everybody's going to know this week if they don't properly handle the Antonio Brown issue. But again, NFL Films is the NFL. And it is surprising that HBO signs on for this because HBO is stubbornly independent. HBO would do a full-blown expose of anything that needs to be exposed in football. Toradol use, that was Andrea Kramer talking to Brian Urlacher and others, and they have seriously restricted Toradol usage in the wake of that story. To be part of an NFL-created... It's not a documentary. It's not a reality show. It is what they want us to see. It is a commercial for whichever NFL team is the subject of it, period. And people are fine with it because it's access. It's better than nothing. We want access, even if it is concocted to make the teams and the players and the coaches look good. It's better than nothing. That's the attitude that people have. Because really, what are they going to do? What is the NFL and the Raiders or any NFL team? Are they going to allow a film crew to go in there with unfettered access and the ability to tape anything they want to be used any way that they see fit? Can you imagine what a disaster that would be? Remember when the Bounty Gate stuff hit the fan? It was that Sean Pamphalon, remember that guy who was doing something with Steve Gleason and he released audio of Greg Williams and his rant prior to the 2011 divisional round game with the 49ers, Frank Gore killed the head. All that stuff about intentionally injuring guys. They're never going to have somebody who's truly independent get inside of an NFL team and find out what's really going on and let the world know. That would be ludicrous. So what we get is a sanitized version of reality, all presented 
in the light most favorable to the subject of the documentary. And it's not a documentary. To the subject of the infomercial. At Nick Tom Fullery. We'll wait one more from On Tour Forever. If Antonio Brown sits out training camp, preseason games, or even retires, what kind of financial recourse do the Raiders have in getting back money they've paid to him? They've only paid him a million dollar signing bonus. And I don't know how much of that was deferred. It may have been a half million at signing and another half million later, whatever. But it's only a million. They owe him guaranteed payments of 30 million total. It's more like 29 million total. But it was wise of them to not give him a big signing bonus. And if he doesn't show up, they don't have to pay him. And his guarantees void. And at some point, they can send him the five-day letter because he's been with the team. See, if you hold out and don't show up, it's a different analysis. If you show up and leave, the team at some point can send you a letter saying, if you do not return within five days, we will put you on the reserve left squad list. And once you're on that list, you're shut down for the year. But why would the Raiders do that? They want Antonio Brown to play for them this year. They're stuck. He's coming back whenever he comes back. Okay, now at Nick Tom Fullery, so do you think it's possible the Lions got Slay and Snacks to come to camp on the NFI list so they can avoid the fines and the team avoids the distraction? To what end? To get their new contracts? Isn't Slay... Did Slay get out? I can't keep track of all these guys. So, I don't know. If a guy holds out, is it a distraction? Sometimes a guy will show up like Bobby Wagner showed up, didn't practice until he had his deal in place. I don't know what the Lions are doing with slaying snacks. Dr. J144 can confirm Uber and Lyft are widely used in Arizona. What will it take to convince guys like Steve Keim and Miniger, the COO of the Cardinals, to use it? Don McNabb also got a DUI around the corner from my house a few years ago. Yeah, I look. If, if the misfortune of others, if the but for the grace of God go I examples don't get people to straighten up, I don't know what will. It's really sad that it still happens in this day and age. And just thank God, neither Kime nor Miniger nor McNabb nor... I mean, there haven't been, other than the Dante Stallworth thing from, what was it, eight, nine, ten years ago? There haven't been, that I can recall, any actual accidents, incidents... Serious injuries or death resulting from someone in the NFL driving when they shouldn't have been. Mike likes dirt. How was your weekend? Well, Mike, thank you for asking. It was a good weekend. It was a busy weekend. Starting with Antonio Brown, continuing into Saturday where we posted a lot of content, watched a lot of football, hung out Friday night in the barn, watched the Steelers-Bucks game on NFL Network, smoked a little cigar, hung out Saturday night with a little open-air fire under the stars, smoked a little cigar, went to the family cabin on Sunday, took the dog, Dog had never been there before. Dog was exhausted when we got home last night. So it was, it was a good, productive weekend. Got some other stuff I've been working on. Got a lot done. And then headed into a week where we've got more preseason action. Kyler Murray's going to play more than a series on Thursday night. Everybody's playing again this week. We're getting closer and closer to go time. Three weeks and three days away from the start of the season. And I cannot wait. Thomas Berry 
Can you decide our fantasy draft order and dramatically announce the order on the podcast? Here are the 12 people in the Tiagos, if I said that properly, Fantasy Football League. All right, I'll do this. Now, the problem is I almost need to have this printed out so I don't forget someone. I'm going to have to kind of keep track here. I will do this, though. For any of you who aren't among these 12 folks, bear with me. All right, first pick goes to Lincoln. Second pick goes to Chuck. Third pick goes to Christian. Fourth pick goes to Daniel. Fifth pick goes to Ashley. Next goes to Bucky. Next goes to... Did I already say Victor? I don't know. I've already lost track. Next goes to however they're ordered in this tweet from top to bottom. The ones I read off are the ones who get the picks in that order. Then the rest of you print off this tweet and just go top to bottom. And whoever's left, you roll through those and that's how you finish the rest of the order. That's the best I can do. Because I can't remember who the hell I already gave picks to. Black 88 Elite, if AB sits out this year, does it buy Derek Carr another year? No, not necessarily. Derek Carr is going to have to get it done. It's easier to get it done with Antonio Brown. And maybe as a practical matter, it's less glaring that he can't get it done if Brown's not there. It's not an excuse so much as it's the absence of the level of talent that would expose that Derek Carr can't get it done. But, you know, at a certain point, you had so much dysfunction around a team that you just want to get rid of everybody that was there when the dysfunction was happening and press the reset button if you're John Gruden. Or if you're Mark Davis. Although Mark Davis has wanted John Gruden for so long, he would let Gruden get rid of everybody and start over again if that's what needs to be done. Black 88 Elite. Any extra Madden codes for a new broke daddy like me? I, they only gave me two this year. They gave me one for myself. Thank you. They gave me two others. And I, I, you know, I made it clear I'm interested in disseminating more. I, I really do think that they're still pissed off because I pointed out last year that they scrubbed Colin Kaepernick's name from whatever song that they used on their soundtrack that had his name in it. And they treated his name like a piece of profanity. Like, why even use the song? How dumb that was. Well, there goes next year's codes. That really was dumb, though. And the last thing I'm going to do is keep my mouth shut about anything. I'm not going to play that game. And if they're mad at me because of it, that's their problem. They're the ones who treated Colin Kaepernick's name like it was an obscene word. They're the ones who committed the unforced error. Nobody forced them to use that song, whatever it was. I think it was Big Bank. Is that what it was? That's as hip as I'm ever going to be. I probably got that wrong, though, so it doesn't matter. BO Coat 311, what's wrong with the site? It's not showing properly on PC browsers, Mozilla Chrome, etc. It's showing fine on Safari, bro. And I haven't gotten any other complaints, so restart your machine or something. I think everything's fine here. Recliner QB, what stops teams from getting players to agree to below market contracts now to help the cap while guaranteeing them outside money, business opportunities through other companies that others own? Or teams employing a company that's owned by a player. Look, there's plenty of ways you can get around the salary cap if you want to. Right? How enforceable is any of it? And here's the thing. All it takes is one guy to get pissed off and it all gets blown up. You ready to make a guy happy for his entire life? Once you start doing that, you better trust that guy. 
Because if he gets pissed off or if he ever has needs that you're not willing to meet financially, he's going to blow the whistle on you. You know, it's just like the concept of games being fixed. At some point, somebody's running their mouth. You can't keep a secret like that. Eventually, one of the people who know what's going on is going to say something to someone. I got plenty of other reasons to believe games aren't fixed, that they, but, but, but that's, that is part of it, as far as I'm concerned. It's impossible to keep that quiet forever. And if somebody was violating the salary cap, eventually there would be somebody who would sell that story to someone or tell that story to someone. At Stephen A., not that Stephen A., a different Stephen A., what do you think the over-under on blown PI calls will be, and will it be more like Clay Matthews and roughing the passer from last year and disappear after a couple of weeks? I don't know, because we still have yet to even begin to get a clear picture of how this is going to work. There are only 14 red flags thrown in week one. I think the coaches need to challenge PI calls and non-calls more. I think the replay assistant needs to get a better feel for where that line is between calling for replay review. Daryl Lewis, the replay official in the Chiefs-Bengals game in Kansas City on Saturday night, was one for two in initiating an automatic review of pass interference that wasn't called on the field. And remember, the replay official has to make the decision with a heightened standard, watching only full-speed replays. And in both cases, the replay official was right. There was a hit on Byron Pringle before the ball came in. Obvious defensive pass interference. Al Riveron properly overturned the ruling of no penalty on the field. But then Byron Pringle later that same drive, open-handed shove to the head of Darius Phillips of the Bengals. And for whatever reason, Al Riveron did not call offensive pass interference. And I really do think a lot of these decisions are going to be driven by the situations and the circumstances. If Pringle had caught the touchdown pass, I think it would have been pass interference. The concern was maybe there was some defensive pass interference, but if you call it offsetting, you give the Chiefs a mulligan. If you only, well, no, if you don't call anything, hey, it's fourth down for the Chiefs, they kick a 35-yard field goal, which is what it would have been if you call offensive pass interference because the Bengals would have declined the 10-yard penalty. I think there's going to be a lot of that driven by the outcome, driven by the circumstances, driven by what happens if I drop a flag versus what happens if I don't. I think there's going to be plenty of that that goes on this year. And I don't like it. It's either interference or it's not. At Sam Phelps 21, Desert Island, and you only get one series to watch. Are you taking The Office or Seinfeld? Seinfeld. Sorry, office. Yeah. I've been I've been watching Seinfeld lately while I work out. I got I got the multi-sensory perception workout where I have Seinfeld on Hulu on my phone that I that I mount on the you know, the, the display of the bike while I'm playing Madden and I keep the sound down on Madden and I just I play Madden, I watch Seinfeld, and that gets me through the hour. So I'd say Seinfeld. There are fewer bad episodes of Seinfeld than there are of The Office. The only problem is the finale is one of them. 
Faisal Morali with Geno Smith looking like he's losing the backup battle in Seattle. Where does he go from here? If the XFL, does that really bring any sizzle? Geno Smith does not bring any sizzle to the XFL. I understand the XFL is waiting to pilfer some of these guys who get cut by NFL teams, especially teams that only keep two quarterbacks. Is Geno Smith or Paxton Lynch going to do anything for the XFL? You got to create stars or attract them. I'm willing to say at Old Takes Exposed, spring football is never going to work. Not to the level they want it to work. People just don't care. And even with star players, it's an uphill battle. Without star players, it ain't happening. Dean Osborne, 42. Does the Duke Johnson pickup by the Texans signal the last season there for Lamar Miller? Well, I think it points in that direction. Duke Johnson wanted to be in a place where he would make his $1.8 million this year and have a chance to make his $3.6 million next year. The Browns would have kept him for this year at $1.8 million, but we're going to cut him after this year because by next year, you got Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and Duke Johnson at $3.6 million. He's got a better chance to get ensconced, entrenched in Houston, and they can move on from Lamar Miller after this season. Now, you know, this is thought Duke Johnson more of a specialty back, but Bill O'Brien made it clear that they, they see him as a three-down guy and... They're happy with what he can do, and I think that uh, I think that he has a better opportunity to stick there than he had in Cleveland. Dean Osborne, 42. What would the NFL and HBO do if, say, next season no team volunteered or met the criteria for doing hard knocks? There's always going to be somebody who meets the criteria. Unless every team, how does that work? You're only exempt if you have a new coach, if you've made the playoffs in any of the last two seasons or if you've done it in the last 10 years, there's always going to be at least one team that fits that criteria where they haven't made the playoffs the last two years, they don't have a new coach, and they haven't done it in the last 10 years. But this is the first year that I think the team that got the tap on the shoulder really didn't want to do it, that nobody wanted to do it, especially after last year's experience with the Browns, where Hugh Jackson misjudged how that scene with him and Todd Haley was going to be received. Jackson thought it was going to make him look good. He could have said, no, I don't want it in there. Nobody lied to him. Nobody fooled him. He just thought, hey, I'm going to look good here. And he didn't. But I think that has caused teams to be more vigilant than ever before, starting with the Raiders, to insist that they get to decide what gets into the show. Why would you want to do it? I mean, think about it. On top of all the other crap the Raiders are currently dealing with, they have to worry about hard knocks. They have to worry about how they present this Antonio Brown disaster on hard knocks. Whereas if hard knocks wasn't there, they don't have to worry about it. I don't know why anyone would want to do it. Ron Rivera said about all or nothing, I'd never do it again. It's just something else to worry about. And they say you get used to the cameras, you never do. I remember Joe Philbin when he was coaching the Dolphins and they did hard knocks. Well, you know, you just be yourself, right? Just be yourself. That's not how it works. You bring the cameras around and everything changes. Because you know anything you say, Canon will be used to help, help well, Canon but Canon will be held against you by people like me. That's what we do. And we're not trying to make it up out of nothing. You give us something to use, we're going to use it. You give us something to interpret, something to analyze, we're going to do that. That's what we do. We're here to augment the experience for the people who are football fans. We're here to help them understand what we see, what we hear based upon our experiences. I know Packers fans don't like that when we apply those experiences and insights to the Aaron Rodgers-Matt LaFleur relationship. 
They get pissed about it. They don't want to hear that now. They want to hear that their team is going to be great, that everything is fine. This is fine. This is fine. It ain't fine. Dirtbag1327, and I'm going to quote the tweet, and then I'm going to give you a response. Is AB just plain old batshit crazy, or is there real mental health issues? Look, I pointed this out today on PFTOT. Because we kept referring to the situation as crazy and this craziness and crazy. It's insane. It's crazy. If the guy has a true mental health issue, then it's incumbent on someone around him to get him some help. If you sit down with Antonio Brown and you're Drew Rosenhaus or a family member, lawyer, anybody, and you say, Antonio, do you understand what's going on here? If you refuse to wear any of these helmets, you're going to give up $30 million. This is how it works. You know, we'll do the grievance. We'll try that. But beyond that, there's really not anything else we can do. And if you really think there's no other helmet that you can wear and you refuse to not play, you're giving up $30 million. Think about what that money can do for your family, for your children. Think about what you can do with $30 million. All you have to do is show up. You don't have to play well. You don't have to be AB. But you're getting $30 million by showing up for work. They cut you. You still get the $30 million. I, I don't know. If there's a deeper issue going on with Antonio Brown. And I don't want to make light of potential mental illness by just casually throwing around the word, throwing around the word crazy. It's it's a crazy situation. It's an unusual situation. If there is a deeper issue that is the result of head trauma or just the pressure and the stress of being a high-level professional athlete, because trust me, this is not easy for them. Think about what players go through. I try to impress it on people all the time. There's a lot of hostility when you go on the road. There's some hostility when you play at home. People resent you for what you have. They think everything's glamorous. They think everything's easy. They don't understand the risks. You've got people giving you a hard time constantly about your fantasy football performance, hassling you on social media where so many of these guys live obsessively. It's not easy. And that pressure can manifest itself in all sorts of ways. So, yeah, I hope that the people who are close to Antonio Brown are willing to ask the tough questions and willing to steer him in the direction of help if help is what he needs. Because something's not right here. If he goes through with this vow to retire because he doesn't get to wear the helmet he wants to wear, something's not right. Oh, let's see what else we have. I need to wrap this up soon. There's a couple of questions about the Jeffrey Epstein situation. Is there a conspiracy behind his suicide, et cetera? Look, all I know is this. There's no way he should have been able to take his own life in that setting. There's no way. And I saw a report there's no video. It, it's, it's, it's all very fishy and I hope that a full and fair investigation is done for the benefit of the victims who aren't going to get their day in court they're not going to get their justice and also for, for future defendants who may be innocent or may have a, a vigorous defense they can mount on their behalf but maybe somebody wants to shut them up and so they committed suicide while in custody it should never happen ever no matter how diabolic or evil the person is they 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 you know if there is something beyond and even if they look look 
it's either gross negligence in allowing him to kill himself or somebody killed him and they're calling it a suicide. Either way, it's not acceptable. And either way, I hope they, they get to the bottom of it. The problem is everybody's going to have their conspiracy theories that become ideas that they refuse to ever yield on and this is the way it is. This is what happened. I believe this is what happened. Doesn't matter if the facts don't back me up. This is what I believe. And people adhere to those beliefs. Stubbornly. No one can talk any sense into them. Kind of like Antonio Brown. At Lori B. Blank. Seriously, this is the message you want to send. It's okay to cleat somebody in the face. What is wrong with you? Plenty of things are wrong with me. I didn't say it's okay to cleat the person in the face. I just wanted to have a relevant gif. And Antonio Brown cleating the punter in the face was a relevant gift because it's dealing with Antonio Brown. I'm not saying go out and kick somebody in the face, Lori B. Blank, but plenty of things are wrong with me. I will agree with you there. Mike Likes Dirt, how did it feel to drop your first PFTPM F-bomb with Pat McAfee's show? Was Chris Sims jealous or am I forgetting a prior F-bomb? I used an F-bomb at one point with Chris Sims when he was on. It was the second one. And this one just kind of came out a little too easily. I'm just worried that at some point during PFT Live, which is broadcast on FCC regulated channels, that, you know, it's going to slip out and I'm going to have no job, or at least one of my jobs is going to go away. The first domino in all of my jobs going away. So I try to continue to be very mindful of that. And I don't, I don't like letting it slip out in this setting. And that's the hardest thing to do. When you have a podcast where you can say whatever you want, and then all of a sudden you're in a setting where you have to watch what you say. You should be able to deal with it, though. I mean, you hang out with your buddies. You can talk however you want. And then you're sitting at dinner with Grandma. You're not going to drop an F-bomb, ideally. Grandma may. All right, we're going to take it. We'll take a break. That's it. We're going to take a break until the next time we do it. Let's take a break. I'm thinking I'm doing PFT Live. All right, time to take a break. We either do it on Tuesday or Wednesday. You know the drill by now. Tuesday or Wednesday, then Thursday or Friday. Three a week. Oh, you know what I forgot to do? Let me do this now. I have a very important message for you. And if you've listened, I should have done this earlier, but it's better than not doing it at all. And we talked earlier about this. It was very fitting. I should have thought to do it then. The risks of driving dunk, drunk. We, we all know those risks by now. Beyond getting arrested, you could get in a crash. You could get hurt or killed. You could hurt or kill someone else. Almost 29 people in the U.S. die every day in alcohol-impaired vehicle crashes. That's one person every 50 minutes. Even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third in the last three decades, drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. Many people are unaware that driving while high can be just as dangerous. In 2015, 42% of drivers killed in crashes tested positive for drugs. And from 2007 to 2015, marijuana use among drivers killed in crashes doubled. So driving while high is deadly. Driving drunk is deadly. Stop kidding yourself if you're impaired from alcohol and drugs. Don't get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI, drive sober, or get pulled over. That's paid for by NHTSA. All right. Thanks for bearing with us today. There was plenty to discuss. Appreciate all your questions. It was a great way to format the program. I didn't have to do anything. I just had to answer the questions. We will be back on Tuesday or Wednesday, then Thursday or Friday. As always, have a great day. PFT Live Tuesday morning on NBCSN and NBC Sports Radio. And check us out around the clock at ProFootballTalk.com. 
You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.